Hello and welcome back to the history of video games. I am Ben and I'm joined by the one and only Wes. What's up, Wes? I'm very excited for today. Can't tell. Me too. Absolutely. It is one of our favorite episodes in our timeline years. It is our game awards where we go back and remember the best, the worst, the weird, and everything in between from the <laughs> previous year of video game history that we just covered. So this is our 1980 game awards. How are you feeling about it, Ben? I'm feeling great. Uh, there's just tons of things I just want to talk about like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first thing I want to talk about, Wes, is what you've been playing, because I know you've been playing some big games. I don't know if you're ready to talk about Zelda, but I'm really interested in that one because yeah. from what I've heard, it's amazing. But because it's not on PC, like a lot of the content creators that I follow, like haven't been playing it or covering it. And probably because they don't want to get like attacked by Nintendo or have copyright strikes. So I don't know anything about it, but I've heard it's really good. So I'm interested in that one for sure. Well, lucky for you, that's what I want to talk about today. So (laughs) I have been playing loads and loads of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, uh, aka Breath of the Wild 2 for many people, <laughs> because we didn't know the title for so long. Yeah, and it's there is actually, I think, an emulated version of it, so you can kind of get it on PC, oh. but apparently because there were leaked copies of it early on, like the emulated version released same day as like the actual game. <laughs> but I've just been playing the Switch version because I don't feel like messing around with any of that disclaimer, or I, I guess one thing to get out of the way really quick is it is a $70 game. We are, we are living in the era of AAA games <laughs> starting to become $70. Um, this is one that I mean, if you, if you want to purchase those, I mean, that's, that's your call, Wes. That's not, I'm not committed to that. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> well, this is the only $70 game I've bought. And so far it's absolutely worth it. Um, okay. it is, I mean, <laughs> I, will try not to be too much of just a fanboy for it because everyone loves it, but everyone loves it with good reason. I mean, there's plenty of people out there. I don't know if it's a loud minority or what, who are saying it's basically just breath of the wild and visually, I mean, it is, it's basically just breath of the wild, but it's amazing. The quality of life changes they've made, the changes to how, like your powers, like the different powers that Link has in the game, just open up a huge world of possibilities. I'm sure you've heard or seen that one of the big things is you can just grab and manipulate a ton of different objects in the world, fuse them together, and make contraptions from everything from a wagon with working wheels that your horse can pull behind you and you can carry stuff in, to a glider with a rocket attached to it that you can use to fly through the sky. Like, I mean, it's (laughs) absurd, the level of craziness that you can do in that game. And one of my favorite descriptions I saw uh, from someone who was describing their experience with the game is that they just figured out a way to make it feel like the fun police never come and tell you you can't do something. Like, you can do the most idiotic solution to a puzzle but you can make it work if you're like dead set on making a 10 wooden plank long bridge instead of, you know, using the jumping wind puzzle or whatever to get over this gap, you can do it. So (laughs) they've just done a really good job of making the expanding the tools that you can use to just let you explore in this gigantic playground. And when I say gigantic, I mean, of course there is all of Hyrule that was in, 
the original Breath of the Wild, and that has been changed. There's a lot of because there's you know some sort of big event at the beginning of the game, so lots of the locations have changed. How you traverse has changed, but there are also a lot of familiar aspects of it, which is nice because it's kind of it's it's nice to go back to those locations and be like, oh, time has passed. This has happened. This has happened, and all that which you don't often get to do in Zelda games. You know, like, I feel like they release a couple for the same system, but it's very rare, I feel like, that there's a Zelda direct sequel. So it's really interesting in a Zelda kind of world to go back and revisit things based on the events that happened in the first game. But then, if that wasn't enough, there are, of course, the Sky Islands to explore, which are just fantastic. I mean, the fact that you can go up on these Sky Islands and free fall all the way down to Hyrule to just like the surface seamlessly on the switch, which is notoriously kind of a, uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of power. (laughs) Um, it's very impressive. And this is a very mild spoiler, uh, but just a warning for people who want to be totally fresh on the game when they play it. In addition to the sky islands and Hyrule, there is also a whole underground portion of the game that is the size of Hyrule. Um, so there's like three times the map that there was in the first game, which is overwhelming, but also just <laughs> amazing. I mean, I kind of approach, I feel like you have to in many ways, these two new Zelda games is like, I know I'm not going to see everything, but I'm just going to go on a journey and whatever I see is going to be awesome. And so far it has been. Yeah. It, it's really good. Weapon durability still in the game and that sucks, but other than that it's it's really really good okay cool yeah i've heard it's uh it's really met expectations so that's great Great yeah here absolutely yeah nintendo does it again i know and it's it's fantastic when something lives up to the hype and is actually like okay good we weren't anticipating this for six years for nothing you know (laughs) yeah all right nice but that is what i've been up to yeah and I probably what I will be up to for a long time. <laughs> but what about you? What have you been playing recently? I got something kind of fun for you, Wes. Ooh, okay. I started looking through my list of unplayed games. As you know, I was trying to play them all <laughs> in my Steam library. And there's still like 20 games in there. So I've got a long way to go. But I haven't done that in a little while. So I decided to go back to it. And I decided to load up a game called Sonic and All-Stars Racing. Oh. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. <laughs> no. Um, I've never really heard of it either, but somehow I own it. I have no idea how I own it or where I got it from. I'm assuming <laughs> it was part of some pack somewhere. Right. But um, it's basically Mario Kart, but in the Sega franchise. So oh. like, there's a lot of Sonic characters in it, but there's also Banjo and Kazooie. There's like a character from Shenmue in it. There's I think characters from maybe Final Fantasy, I'm not sure. Or, you know, Final Fantasy-esque. The guy I've been playing is like a Roman general based off a dude from Total War uh, (laughs) 2, I think. (laughs) So, it's a lot of weird stuff. But it's actually pretty darn good. I mean, it's like 10 years old, but it looks like as good as Mario Kart 8 would. I think, anyway. I mean, I haven't played Mario Kart 8 too much, but... I think graphically it really holds up and there's a lot of different tracks. I don't know how many, but if I had to guess, maybe like 30 tracks or something, I don't think they all use their own uh, like assets. Like I think 
you know, they have like a couple different worlds, quote unquote, you know, like one based off of like Jet Set Radio, for instance, right, right. and they'll have a couple tracks through that that are different, but they're all really cool and have, uh, there's this kind of weird mechanic and uh, Mario Kart does this a little bit where like most of the time you're kind of kart racing, but then sometimes you're like flying a plane and sometimes right. you're like on yeah. a jet ski, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's all, you're like, all those things are happening in one race. So it does that. And I really like, usually the, the third lap will be noticeably different from the other two. Like, you know, um, the road got destroyed by something. So now you're flying through it on the plane part or something. So it's, it's really good. And, uh, Everything has really nice set pieces. Like there was one time I drove through like a snake's head or something. It was a big statue of a snake, right? And you just drive right through it. It's pretty good. Like it's not a game I would probably buy because, you know, it's just a Mario Kart racing game. But right. <laughs> if I have people over and I have a couple of Xbox controllers, it's as good as a Mario Kart, I think. So um, for PC, I feel like it's got to be one of the best that you can get. So I'm really glad I have it. <laughs> I don't know how much more I'll play it. Um, there's still a couple characters I need to unlock, but um, I'm having a good time with it. So nice. it's not bad. That's awesome. I mean, well, when you said Jet Set Radio, I'm in. You know, if they have yeah. some weird, wacky Jet Set Radio characters and stuff, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have a lot of characters I kind of know, but also don't know. And I'm also right. like, is is that Sega? Like, I didn't. <laughs> Like a <laughs> monkey ball is in it. Oh, a monkey from monkey ball. Yeah. There's a couple other. Oh, there's a guy from crazy taxi. He drives a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of really good characters. It's pretty good. Like it looks nice, runs well. It took me quite a while to get used to the boosting mechanics. It kind of, it uses this drift system where if you drift for a certain amount of time, you get a boost. Right. Um, and there's also a stunt system where if you're in the air, you can do like a flip and then you get a boost when you land. And those things were not explained at all <laughs> in the game, but I eventually figured them out and uh, am now doing well. So that's good. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. So next time you're over West, we'll have to play sometime. All right. Sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I think we've got games to talk about. Oh, yeah. Should we start with the worst of the worst, though? Yeah, you know, let's bring down the mood a little bit. No, no, I'm kidding. But (laughs) we do feel like it's hard to go through these game awards without mentioning some of our favorite worst games uh, because you kind of love to hate them (laughs) sometimes. Uh, So, (laughs) Ben, I'm really curious to hear what you have for yours. Do you want to get us started with your worst game of 1980? Yeah, definitely. Um... I hope I'm not going to pick the same one as you. I'm a little worried because maybe, maybe I really have I really have two that I want to talk about <laughs> or, you know, that were that were up there. Right. Right. So I'm going to say the one that I, I think is the worst. Hopefully you didn't pick it as well, because it is uh, one that you did. And it's called Targ. <laughs> OK, well, maybe I should carry out take over for this because uh, that is my worst game as okay. well. OK, I thought it might be. <laughs> I have another one that I think is also really bad. But why don't you tell the people about Targ first? Sure. Well, yeah, I'll explain why Ben and I both picked this. Um, <laughs> we've mentioned in previous years, it's worst, not always because it is like graphically audio or whatever, the worst, which target is pretty bad but also because it's the most disappointing a lot of the times 
And one of the reasons for me that Targ was so disappointing is that it's coming from Exidy, a company who, you know, they don't have consistent, fantastic games, but they usually have some pretty good stuff. I mean, they did Starfire, mm-hmm. which was a great, like, turret gunning shooter game. So seeing something called Targ, which is not at all related to the, you know, ASCII Soul 20 shooting game Targ that we like, I was excited. But man, if it isn't just the most boring iteration of like a maze <laughs> shooting game ever i mean it's basically i described it as unenthusiastic pac-man the graphics are so bland it's just a blue background with yellow for all of the like details of the maze and the maze is just a bunch of squares like it's a grid it's not even like a different sections of the maze or anything the whole thing's just a grid all the enemies that you are running away from and shooting with a missile that comes out of the front of your car are just red arrows and they just kind of go willy-nilly through the maze as you drive your car around and shoot straight forward and that's it i mean the sounds are sparse and i don't know i, I remember reviewing this and just feeling kind of bummed out i'm like this isn't <laughs> exit <laughs> can do better than this <laughs> yeah I would say the color palette for that game is like vomit color. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not a it's not a good artistic uh, choice there. Mm-hmm. Whatever they did with the graphics, so yeah, it's not good. It's just not good in really any department. And <laughs> as you mentioned, it was a big letdown. Yeah. The other game I wanted to mention that I think is also really really bad, but it's it's got a couple redeeming qualities, I guess. That's Atari's Soccer. Um, now yeah. I don't know if you remember that came out such a long time ago in the earlier part of 1980, but it's in black and white. And when I was going back and looking at it, I was just like, "How is this in 1980? It's in black and white. <laughs> I mean, it just looks so dated." Because we we don't really play any black and white games anymore, really. Maybe some like home computer games, but right. not on the arcades. Like I I feel like we haven't done one of those since Atari Soccer. <laughs> Um, and it's by Atari. Like they obviously could have put color in. I think the only redeeming quality is that I think it was only made in a in a cocktail table version, right? And it had the track pads, which would be really fun. So I think the gameplay for that is a little bit better. But man, it just isn't. It looks so dated. It looks like something from like '76 or something. Yeah. Like it's not good. So and it's Atari. Like they obviously could have done color. So <laughs> that for me is another really really bad one that deserves some negative attention (laughs) yeah yeah that's fair one i forgot about but thank you for the reminder because that was a pretty bad one as well (laughs) (laughs) but why don't we lift the mood up a little bit i mean it's always hilarious talking about bad games but now talk about one of our favorite things the best console for 1980 Mm. i think we're gonna have a very exactly the same answer here as well um but i'll just go ahead and start this one off and you can chime in with anything else if it's the same one i think for the second year in a row my best console is the mattel and television they just have been doing great stuff they sponsored sports titles it doesn't really matter that they're sponsored but they've been doing a really good job with them i feel like particularly the ones that stand out to me were nhl hockey and pga golf uh, especially mm-hmm. pga golf they kind of found a really nice blend between accuracy to the sport but still playable i mean they're definitely more on the side of like in-depth 
true to the sport for a lot of their games, but I think they're still approachable, uh, which is really nice. And they also don't shy away on the graphics. I feel like they can make it look really good. The golf courses, I remember looking really great. And yeah, I just, we said it last year when they didn't have a ton of games, but there's just a lot of potential for this console. And they kind of proved that this year, you know, they didn't release... 100% good games, but they had a lot of great games, uh, especially some of their sports stuff. Yeah, that was also my favorite console for this year, the Intellivision. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like the sports games are great, but what actually stood out to me was their like almost RTS games. Oh, that's right. I think there was more than one this year, but I definitely remember Sea Battle very vividly. Mm -hmm. Uh, That came out in October and I don't know, just like we don't really see RTS games on a console. It's not the first, but it's the first we've seen in a long time. And I'm, I just really enjoyed playing that one. And um, as you mentioned, all the others are great as well. So for me, that was definitely uh, made the Intellivision the best. The 2600 was the only other console that maybe came close. I yeah, had a venture yeah. on it, which I thought was really good. But other than that, it wasn't, you know, they didn't have that much. So yeah. And I feel like the other consoles just weren't even in the discussion. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know where they where they've been. The Astrocade like went out of business pretty much, and the others have just not been very good. Right. The only other one I could think of that we saw a couple games from was the Odyssey too, but they didn't really mm-hmm. do too much exciting with that. And yeah, the Astrocade we had like one game for, and then did our uh, topic about how it's being dropped by Bally, so yeah. <laughs> uh, it really is the 2600 and the Intellivision going at it right now, and for us, it's the Intellivision that's on top. Yeah, okay, but now though, Wes, let's go into my new favorite part of this episode, which is a section where we kind of create our own categories every year. Mm-hmm. We each are going to create three categories and nominate a game for those categories for just for like some extra awards, just to nominate some Maybe amazing games that maybe didn't make our top three. Maybe they did, but should just be celebrated for something else around the game. So I'm really interested. I haven't heard what yours are, so I really want to know um, what's one of the categories you picked. Sure. Well, I'll start off with what I called best series starter, uh, which I'm defining as a game that kind of was the first in what's going to be a pretty long running series. Uh, Wait, can I guess this one? You can, yes. Go for it. I'm assuming there's a couple that, that could be in there, but mm-hmm. I'm going to assume a Calibeth. That's the one that comes to mind. So that was my other one that maybe <laughs> vindicated me because I'm like, okay, good, I'm not making up this category just for one game. But it's not the one I picked. <laughs> As oh. I was scrolling through the timeline, I remembered FS1 Flight Simulator by Sublogic, oh, yes. which is eventually going to be sold as Microsoft Flight Simulator. And I mean, the game itself was a little hard to play for me because it is a flight simulator and it did a pretty accurate job of like simulating a bunch of these different controls. But it's really just not a far cry from a flight sim game, like a Microsoft flight sim game. It feels you can take off. There's mountains in the distance to give you your bearings. There's points of interest that you can land at. And I think there was even a game mode where you could be a bomber and bomb like certain places on the map too. And if you're good enough, you can even land in those locations. But I just thought it was really cool to see it this early on to see sort of this pseudo 3D 
in a first person plane flying perspective with all the gauges in front of you. Um, this was on the Apple II, by the way, and I was just really impressed with it, even if, you know, it's not my type of game, but it's just cool to see it starting off so strong, I feel like, or so close to the, like the identity of the rest of the series. And Acalabeth was also another one I was thinking about because that is going to lead to the Ultima series. And I'm very excited to see where that goes. But for me, FS1 Flight Simulator uh, was just too cool. I had to put that in here. I mean, that's a great one, too. Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator 10 is still on my wish list. So yeah, I'm definitely ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's a great that's a really good one. I'm glad you mentioned that one. I completely skipped over that one. So <laughs> glad you mentioned it. I think for my first award, I have to do the one that I've been doing the last two years we've done this, and I want to continue it. It's my best cabinet award for best cabinet oh, yeah, art. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was really only down to, I think, two cabinets this year that I really noticed was amazing. But one really stood out to me, and that's the game that you played. It's Wizard of War. Oh, yeah. Um, I just thought the cabinet art for this game is crazy good it's got what i'm gonna call uh dr doom in a cloak yeah. as the mascot <laughs> and he just looks awesome like i i just love the design of it so much i don't think it really has that much to do with the game <laughs> like like i don't think it looks much like the game itself not but so much yeah <laughs> i just think the artwork on the cabinet is just amazing so of all the cabinets this year that i would want to have in my apartment i want this one because of the art for sure nice yeah oh that's a great category and i'm glad that you uh that does have to be a yearly one i think because yeah we're not seeing stuff as crazy as um what was it man eater where the cabinet was literally yeah. just a shark mouth but hopefully we'll get back to some of that in the coming years i hope so <laughs> i feel like we might get into i'm not sure when this will happen but i've seen definitely if i go to an arcade those arcade cabinets where there's actually like plastic molding around it to make it like look yes. like a tree trunk or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I'm in interested to see when we might see stuff like that. All right. Yeah, me too. We'll have to keep an eye out, but I think I'm ready to go on to my next uh, category now. And this was most creative graphics, uh, which is a bit of a, <laughs> a vague okay. thing, but I just really, one that I kind of tailored directly to a game i really wanted to find a way to shout out sasuke versus commander by snk nice i was debating having a best ninja games category yeah, right and nominating that one <laughs> and you know i don't think that was the only one but well we had a samurai game as no. well but <laughs> yeah we had samurai just recently i had the ninjas storming like pagoda game that's right yeah they look nothing like real ninjas though. Right. they were not good looking <laughs> But I mean, part of the reason I picked this for most creative graphics is because the ninjas do look great and just everything is kind of crazy visually about this. Yeah. The, the setting is you're on a road that's going through a forest and in the distance on the hill, there's a pagoda and it's nighttime and there's lightning occasionally at like in between the rounds. The game itself is basically a, a Galaxian type game where these ninjas are flying back and forth from the trees and throwing shuriken at you. But the theming and the visual style is so crazy. Uh, one of the best parts is the crazy boss battles that happen after each round, where you get these commanders decked out in full armor who sometimes shoot pillars of fire at you that look really good. I, I loved how the pillars of fire looked. And occasionally they'll substitute themselves with a log to dodge your attacks. I mean, there's just so much craziness 
going on visually with this. It's such a unique visual style. Uh, I just wanted to shout it out. <laughs> nice. That's a good one as well. I've got a good one here, though, next to us. I was not sure exactly what to call the category, but I'm going to say the game with the best technology in it. <laughs> I don't know. Something okay, like that. Sure. <laughs> um, and when I was looking through all the games we had played this year, this one really stood out to me. I was like, I remember freaking out when I <laughs> played this game. I'll see if you remember it. It's auto racing on the television. And what was amazing about this game is it's the first and I think only game right now that has uh, a scrolling play field on a home console. Oh, that's right. And it's the only game to ever be made so far in the whole history of video games that has a scrolling play field and two player support. Um, oh. And the graphics are as good as any of the other scrolling playfield games at the time that were on arcade machine games. I think it was maybe the second scrolling playfield game to be in color or maybe the first. I don't quite remember when Monte Carlo came out in relation to it, but I just remember freaking out because like this had never been done on a console. It was implemented really well. It had two player support, which we've never seen before. The graphics were really good. It used the uh, television controller really nicely because that's like a what a sixteen directional joy uh, yeah like directional pad, pad yeah. and you're and you're racing like it makes total sense so um, it was just all around good I think it had like eight different tracks to pick from it was just amazing so I still remember that one as being a highlight on the television for me and just another reason why that's the best console for 1980 yeah absolutely. All right, well, my last uh, special award category here is Best Game That Insults You, um, which, again, <laughs> there's two here, uh, or at least two, Wizard of War and Berserk. Berserk, mm -hmm. of course, you know, they're calling you a chicken the whole time and yep. many other things, but mine favorite is definitely Wizard of War by Midway. Uh, the Wizard of War, who has been described as basically Dr. Doom in a cloak, not often seen on screen, but is constantly heckling you through the whole entire game. <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious. I mean, it's to me, it wasn't annoying. It's just so funny. You can barely understand him half the time because it's synthesized speech. But looking up the 71 different lines that the wizard could say, <laughs> he says everything from bragging about how his monsters that he created is going to kill you to saying that your bones are going to lie on the floor of his dungeon and just so many other things. Uh, I just love how really needlessly creative they got <laughs> with this. Like they could have done <laughs> 30 lines for the wizard, but no, they said 71 lines. And of course the robotic ha 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 that he says after most of his lines, which forever haunts my dreams now. Uh, I love it. Wizard of War just has such funny, cool theming. And the gameplay is actually really good, too. I mean, it was one of the first, like, co-op games where you're really working together with someone to defeat all these monsters to progress through the rounds and get more points. Uh, so it's just an awesome game, and the insults just kind of make it even better. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's a good one. Uh, all right, for my last one, I think you'll like this one, Wes. I have the most needs a speedrun category. 
<laughs> okay. And uh, there's one game that I, I just think is so unique. It totally reminds me of like a Super Meat Boy or just like crazy pixel perfect platforming. That game's called Crazy Balloon. Okay, yeah. And I really think it's like the very first ever like pixel perfect kind of platform game. Like brutally hard. As soon as you touch anything, you immediately start over. You, you lose the life. And uh, like I only was able to beat, I think, the first stage in it. But there's something like 16 stages. And I looked at somebody using a cheat to be invulnerable and take himself through the whole game. In the later stages, I don't think it's humanly possible. <laughs> like it's <laughs> so hard to to check out. And what's interesting is that I did double check that there's not a speed run already for the game out there, uh, and I don't think that there is. But I found a speed run. I think this was ported to some other computer or something later. And there's a task video of that version. So I don't know why nobody's playing the original. Come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, I just think it would be amazing to see a real somebody who's really good at these. Uh, platforming games to take a look at it because it's this would be amazing to watch i think so. <laughs> yeah no that's a that's a good category and hopefully yeah. you know we'll get the word out there and we'll start that we won't be the part of it but we'll start other people on being that speed running community <laughs> yeah all right very cool well i always love those categories that we come up with but i think now it's time for the the big event our top three games of 1980 I guess I'll just get things started. We're going to be going switching off like we've been doing for the other ones, starting with our third favorite all the way up to our top game of 1980. And for me, number three was Phoenix by Taito. Phoenix is a personal favorite of mine. I mean, I know that my dad loves it, so I knew I had to check it out. And honestly, it didn't disappoint me. I don't think it's graphically the best Galaxian type game we've seen. But it just has so much originality and character to it. I mean, there's three different types of rounds, and the visual differences between the rounds are so great. Everything from the enemy tiny bird fighters that have crazy movement patterns to, of course, the amazing phoenixes, which start out in an egg and then hatch. You can blow their wings off, but you have to hit them in the center to destroy them. I just love that they stick with the phoenix mythology and they can go back into their egg and regenerate wings that you've shot off and then come back out at you uh, it's just super cool the sound is great for it just like weird spacey vibes and of course the last stage is a boss fight just straight up where you have this giant ufo that you have to break through in sort of a breakout kind of style and shoot the pilot to get rid of there's so much variation in the gameplay I really appreciate that and the sort of visual style and branding I also love about it. And with the cool sound choices to go along with that too, it's just a super solid Galaxy game that really puts its own mark on it. You know, it's it's very iconic to me. Mm -hmm. That's definitely a good one. Uh was definitely one of the biggest games as we were approaching it that, you know, I was like, this is going to be good. Yeah. So I'm glad it was. What's interesting was on my top three, I actually don't have any Galaxian games wow. on my top three. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that says. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose. Uh, it just happened that way. Yeah. Um, I do want to do one quick honorable mention. I think my favorite, I haven't mentioned like any computer games, I don't think, but I think my favorite computer game this year was actually one that you played. It was called Computer Conflict. It was this hex-based oh, that's move right. the armies kind of game. Yes. As I've been doing research for 1981, I still have been like, 
whenever I see like another hex-based strategy game, I'm like, well, is this as good as Computer Conflict? Because if it's not, maybe we shouldn't cover it because <laughs> it's just really good. Like even yeah. in 1981, I think it would still be really good. So I just wanted to shout that one out quick. Mm-hmm. That's a great But one. for me, my third favorite game of 1980 uh, was one I did towards the end of the year. It's called Crazy Climber. I knew that would get mentioned somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just really love this game. It really surprised me because I I think it kind of surprised me because of how really polished it was. There was just no really bad area of the whole game. I mean, the gameplay was good and varied. The graphics were really good. There was amazing music. And I just feel like a lot of little subtle touches that I wouldn't have thought would be there or were there so for example like there's a little mini map that's there there's like boss fights and each one has like their own boss music at the top of the building you actually have to uh grab a helicopter and you fly away on the helicopter to end this <laughs> end the stage which is an amazing way to end the stage and there's four stages that all have like kind of unique mechanics to them and each stage is pretty long like i was having a hard time being the first stage because i was playing on a keyboard but again the controlling like how you move in that game is so unique as well um with two joysticks that you kind of move up and down independently for each uh, arm it's just a really unique game and i think it's one that even if i were to look at it two years from now let's say i think it would still be a game worth playing or or let's say it comes out in 83 like it would still be a good game because it's just so unique and there's really nothing else like it everything is so good that i think it will really uh stand the test of time for us going forward as, as just a game that we remember as always being really good so yeah and not to mention it's got one of the greatest gorilla sprites we've yes. ever seen in video gaming <laughs> you know? awesome yeah i'm glad you mentioned that let me now talk about my second best game 1980 well, i feel like wes we haven't even we should have guessed what our favorites were well that's true there, like we usually do that there's still time what do you think my number two game is for 1980 it's hard to say i feel like i think pac-man might be that game i think missile command might be that game uh-huh. Uh-huh. i'm gonna go with those two those are those are my two guesses well, all right. I guess I'll give it to you, even though you did two guesses, because it is Missile <laughs> Command by Atari. Hey. <laughs> it's, I mean, it proved to me that Atari is still coming out with innovative stuff and fun releases that we love seeing from Atari. Missile Command, I mean, on the base level, I guess it's kind of a shooting gallery game, but it just feels so unique compared to everything else that's coming out. You have the missiles that break up into like cluster bombs and different missiles come down from them it's got the great visual style where all the missiles have a trail so you kind of get this crisscrossing as all the missiles are falling down towards your cities and i love the way that your missiles explode and have the expanding blast radius that you can use to blow up other missiles so i mean you can get really strategic with it not to mention that you can aim not only the angle of where your missile is going, but also when it blows up, so you can control that blast radius really close to your cities. And the fact that you shoot from three different missile silos and you can decide which one you're shooting from, it just adds tons of, I don't know, layers of strategy there. But at the same time, you can just look at it and go crazy with it and blow up all the missiles and you'll still have a pretty good time with it. I think part of that is also because it controls with a trackball which, if I remember right, mm-hmm. and I think that's a really 
smart control system with it for this because you're just throwing that trackball all over the screen to get your cursor to the right spot to blow up all these missiles and it's just really hectic it's funny because the graphics aren't super like crisp necessarily but there's just good colors the explosions are this great like rainbow flashing kind of circle that expands and it just uh looks awesome and is very fun so i had to put missile command on there nice i mean i'm glad i mentioned it i definitely think it's worthy of being up there Mm -hmm. a super fun game so good i'm glad to see that one do you have any guesses from mine i mean i already gave some hints yeah well hmm. i knew crazy climber was going to be on your list i was pretty sure but (laughs) i think pac-man's gotta be on there okay but is it number two that's the question Hmm. yeah well you can just say both of them (laughs) you think yeah probably pac-man or missile command i think either one is probably there (laughs) so you think missile command and pac-man is my one and two i think so yeah okay okay well, you know, I feel like usually I try to go, I, I don't do it on purpose, but I feel like I usually pick games that are kind of against the grain. Yeah, yeah. But I had to like look at myself in the mirror and be like, are you really going to say that Pac-Man wasn't one of your favorite games this year? <laughs> and I don't think I can say that. I think yeah. it really was one yeah. of my favorite games this year. Um, I think what makes Pac-Man so good in comparison to a lot of other maze games is not only the characters being so iconic and the music and and just sound effects being so good but also how fluid the controls are it's one of these maze games where i never felt like i was getting stuck in the corners or if i tried to turn like at the wrong time my dude would just fly past an intersection or something right (laughs) like i don't know what it was about it but it just felt really good to play and the fact that you had that uh, bonus power up to make the ghost flee from you when you picked it up just was really unique and innovative for the time and uh is one of the most fun parts about the whole game and, and i think it, those kind of factors are really what distinguish it from the other many pac-man type games that we have played throughout the timeline uh, none of them just can really do it as well as pac-man so even though yeah. i think miss pac-man is probably going to be better than pac-man um, and I'm probably, you know, most looking forward to playing that one. I think I'll like that one better. I still have to say for 1980, Pac-Man is one of the best games for sure. And it's one of these very popular ones, but I think it really deserves its popularity. You know? Yeah, so. absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to not have that on your list. But <laughs> with that, what do you think my number one game is? Well, I feel like it's got to be Pac-Man, right? I don't know what else it could be. <laughs> Well, joke's on you. It's Puckman by Namco. Oh. I'm kidding. It's Pac-Man, yeah, which was originally released as, <laughs> as Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah, it's just, again, you know, I love to pick the weird stuff, but for both Pac-Man and Missile Command, I'm like, these are well-known, renowned games in arcade history, and there's a reason for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Pac-Man, as much as it's hyped up and just constantly cultured out, it's a super solid game and it was super fun to play especially when you compare it to everything else that's coming out in 1980 it's just such a great game like you mentioned part of it is the ghosts with their personalities and also the fact that the personalities were actually like coded into the game so that they acted certain ways their iconic designs pac-man's classic shape and the classic 
waka waka noise when he moves along. It's just easy to see why it became so popular. Eventually, you know, it's it's not gonna it's not technically super popular in 1980, except in Japan right now. But still, it's just a classic, such a good game. And as much as I do like to be the one who hypes up the games nobody's ever heard of, for me, Pac-Man deserves to be my number one. <laughs> nice. Good. I'm glad we both agree on that. I think one place we disagreed, though, was my number one, Wes. It's not yeah. Missile Command. Okay. Can you believe it? I, I don't even have a guess, so just lay it on me. <laughs> <laughs> my number one is Berserk from Stern. Okay, sure, yeah. Um, I just think I had the most fun playing this game all year, and it's one that I, I could still go back and just like enjoy today, even. <laughs> Um, I don't know what about it. I think it's a combination of the robots calling me chicken, which right, I really yeah. love. <laughs> All the voice sound effects are really good. They're in this like droid voice, but because you're fighting robots, it really works. And I love that part about it. It's also like this infinite maze, randomly generated environment. So it's got almost like a roguelike feel in some in some ways. And it's a eight directional shooter. I don't know if you would say top down it's because you can see like the full stick figure if you guy, but it's just a very unusual genre that we don't see a lot that I really just want more games in that style. It's like a shooting game where you can walk around on, on the earth or on the, the screen where you're fighting from. We just don't play any games like that. And um, it's really like remarkable to me to see that innovation come in. Um, because I think the only eight directional shooter we've seen before that was, I think, Sheriff, and that one notably did not do well. <laughs> and it was a, a, a good game, but I just feel like Berserk did it way better. So that was my favorite game for the year. Yeah, yeah. Deservedly so. You know, that's a great one. I need to go back and play it, to be honest. I can see how yeah. it could land as your number one top game for 1980. Yeah, it's just fun to snipe the robots. The robots can also friendly fire and walk into walls, which kill them. You can outthink the robots as well. Mm -hmm. So just a lot of ways to go about it. And um, I just really liked it, though. So, it had a lot of character to me. I think even, even though the robots, I think they were based off of like Battlestar Galactica robots yes, or something. Yeah. And maybe it's because I don't know Battlestar Galactica that is why I like them so much. But the design, I really like the design of the robots. Um, even though they're just generic robots, I don't know. There's just some character there. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show with both of our number one games. Having that just sort of character and feel and personality to a game and to the enemies that you're fighting and to the character that you're playing really make a big difference. All right. With that being said, though, West, what do you think of 1980 overall? I mean, a pretty great year, I think, compared to 79. Absolutely. I mean, we definitely had some big releases with, you know, Pac-Man and Missile Command, of course, to just name a few. But as always, we're just seeing tons of great stuff that we've never heard of. And hopefully it's sort of the rising tide and the industry just keeps getting better and better, you know, <laughs> so the games in the periphery are good, too. I think it will because, I mean, I don't know if you have ever heard of these games, but they're all going to come out in 1981. Um, there's a game called Donkey Kong. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there's a game called Galaga. And there's a game called Frogger. 
(laughs) There's a lot of really good ones that we're about to play. Some of them even come out pretty early in the year. So 1981 is already shaping up to be an amazing year. And I hope you guys join us on our journey as we play through 1981. And until then, I think we're just going to have to say uh, we'll talk to you later. Make sure to join us on this journey. Check out everything that we covered in 1980 on our website so you can see just how great of a year it was. Make sure to follow us on Twitter where we post announcements so you can be tuned in when we get our first episode of 1981 out there. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to send us an email. See you all next time. See you all next time.